scripture for this day comes from Matthew chapter 5. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The crowd that gathered that day was not made up of the powerful or the famous or the wealthy. Those folks probably stayed home, busy with schedules that could not be changed. Instead, the ones who went out to the wilderness that day to hear Jesus were drawn there because they had heard about his ability to heal. So just before Jesus begins to speak the words that we heard this morning, Matthew's gospel tells us something about the crowds who was listening to him on that day. It says that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, those possessed by demons, those with epilepsy, and those who were paralyzed, and he cured them, and great crowds followed him. Now, when Jesus sees these crowds, he goes up a mountain, or what we would call a sort of large hill, and sat down. His disciples were there with him. He begins by speaking the words that we heard in worship last Sunday, words that sound like this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the pure in heart, and the peacemakers, and the persecuted. Finally, Jesus looks at the crowd and says, Blessed are you when people revile you and say all kinds of evil things about you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for that's exactly how people treated the prophets who went before you. Now, in every crowd, there's bound to be some diversity. Perhaps in the crowd that day, there were a handful of rich people who came out to hear Jesus. Maybe there were some who were perfectly well, perfectly healthy, and just kind of curious to hear what this increasingly famous guy would say. Maybe there were some who were perfectly content with their lives the way they were and just needed something kind of interesting to do for the afternoon. 
But chances are, most of the people who gathered to hear Jesus that day were there because they weren't well, and they weren't rich, and they weren't content. They were looking for something. What? We don't know exactly. But we know that the crowds were full of people who were bringing themselves or other people who, who needed healing, who needed hope, who needed some kind of cure for something. And so when Jesus looked around at the people who came to hear him, the first things that occurred to him to say were to talk about being poor in spirit and meek, being somebody who might be run over by the world. He talked about grief and loss and hunger, about mercy and peace and persecution. And probably he did that in part because that's what he saw in the faces of the people who were listening to him. And then without missing a beat, Jesus goes on. He looks at this hurting, yearning, anxious crowd of people, and he says to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Don't hide those things or think they're garbage to be thrown out. Let your light shine, for that is how people will see God. Every once in a while, I like to read uh, scripture from a different translation than I usually do. It helps me hear it in a different way. So I wanted to share with you this same passage that we read for the gospel today, but from a paraphrase of the Bible called the message. It's not supposed to be exactly accurate. It's supposed to give us a new sense of Jesus' words. So here's how the message translates Jesus' words today. Jesus said to the crowds, let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. For God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. I've made you light bearers. You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? No, I am going to put you on a light stand. And now that I've put you there, on top of a hill, on that light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. For by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, our generous Father in heaven. To me, there are two remarkable things about these words from Jesus. The first one is this, that just like his description of blessing, these words about salt and light are all declarations of something that already is. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Jesus isn't saying, if you get it right, if you fix up your life, if you do the right things or say the right things or believe the right things, if you get your act together, then you might be the salt of the earth or the light of the world. Nope, he's just saying that it, this is just how it is. You are. You are these things. Just like he says God's blessing is with you 
with you, for you, beside you, no matter what you are enduring. Now Jesus is saying, you, you're it. You're salt and light. You might have come out here looking for something, for hope or healing, for whatever you need to keep going, but it turned out that you are the thing you're looking for. You're the salt, you're the light. Now go and shine. The second remarkable thing is how relatively small and fragile these things are, the things that Jesus chose to talk about, salt and light. Now you don't need much of either one to change things. Have you ever made something and accidentally left out the salt? It's not that the food tastes bad exactly, it just doesn't taste. (laughs) It doesn't taste like it should. It doesn't taste like it could. There's something about salt that simply brings out the flavors that are there. Something crucial is missing when you forget the salt. Have you ever walked into a dark room and not known where the light switch is? It's not that the darkness itself is terrible or scary or awful. It's just that it's awfully hard to find your way through when there's not even a little bit of light. On the one hand, Jesus is talking to these crowds about big things. What does it mean to be the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be righteous, to do what God wants us to do? What does it mean to live in the world the way God calls us to live? Those are big questions that people have been asking for hundreds and thousands of years. Jesus even reminds people that this question has been going on by connecting them to the prophets of old, like Isaiah, which we heard from this morning. Five, six hundred years before Jesus, Isaiah's people were asking the same thing. How do we do what God wants? Now, in the passage we heard today, the big question is, how come we've been doing all these religious rituals, but God doesn't seem to care? We've done all this fasting, God. Isn't that what you wanted us to do? All this religious ritual fasting, we did it. But we still ended up in exile, so what's up with that? Why do we do all that fasting in the first place if you don't care? And God, in the words of the prophet, replies to them, Let me tell you about the fast that I want. I want you to loose the bonds of injustice and let the oppressed go free and share your bread with the hungry and get some clothes for the people who are naked and invite those without homes into your home. That's the fast that I want, says God. And when you do that, let me tell you your light breaks forth like a dawn. So here we are as a crowd today to gather and listen to Jesus. Probably some among us are well and whole and very content with our lives. But probably not all of us. Chances are some among us are here seeking hope or healing or whatever it is we need to go on for the rest of this day and week and month. We too are wondering what it's like 
what is it we're supposed to do to live the way God wants us to live? We've done some things. Is it that God's not listening? Now, the eternally, although slightly improving today, the eternally gloomy Seattle winter weather does not help us with our existential dread in February. But we can still say that we know the world we live in, just like the world Jesus lived in and the world Isaiah lived in, the world is full of pain and struggle and what seem to be unsolvable, insurmountable problems. You can name them as fast as I can. Unending political vitriol and the widening gap between rich and poor and a healthcare system that leaves many people in the dust the rise of white supremacy in all its forms, a climate changing faster than we can catch up. And just like Isaiah's people and just like Jesus' crowds, we too think, what do we do about it? Is salt and light really enough? Look how fragile it is. One little light one little bit of salt. Is that going to do anything, really? How about something more like weapons or power or money or influence or technology in a really, really big stick? If we just got that stuff in the hands of the right people, wouldn't that fix everything a lot more than this? But just like those crowds, Jesus looks at us in our anxious, yearning selves, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And if that doesn't seem like enough, not big enough or powerful enough or just enough, then remember how it feels when you left the salt out. Remember what it's like to walk without even a little bit of light. Jesus tells us today the same thing that Isaiah told God's people, that the way to the kingdom of God goes straight through your neighbor's house. Because the very big things that are needed to change the world have to start somewhere. And they start by doing something. And something is just anything that's not nothing. <laughs> the world changes because people do small things, like little bits of light and little bits of salt, sharing our bread and opening our homes and treating each other with respect and dignity. And it doesn't take much. Just like you don't need much salt and you don't need much light to get started. But wow, does everything change when it's not there. Except, of course, that's not the problem. Salt and light are here, and you're it. You are the thing you've been waiting for. There are as many ways to bring out the God flavors of this world as there are people in this room and in this neighborhood and on this earth. There are as many ways to shine a light as places you will find yourself this week. So go. Be who you are called 
to be. The world needs it. Always has. Always will. Amen.